You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, champion of animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us today, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those awesome animal advocates who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals and their environments. Today, we have a double treat. Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, is going to be with us to talk about his new book, Short Guide to a Happy Dog. And we want to ask him why training our dogs to be happy dogs is one of the most effective things we can do in terms of reducing the population of unwanted dogs in animal shelters. But first, Mark Barone, and Marina Devon, founders of Active a Dog, are joining us, and we'll learn about the incredible challenge they have set and why they are advocating for No Kill Nation. We have a lot happening, but first, our advertisers want to share their important messages with you. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. But but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com. To order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host. And welcome to Marina Darvan and Mark Barone of Act of a Dog. And those who haven't heard of Mark or Marina, they've set up a goal that's really incredible. And they're doing so much to raise awareness of the problem that faces animal shelters everywhere. And so my first question, Mark, is why in the world are you painting 5,500 portraits of dogs? Well, I, when we started this project, Marina was looking to adopt another dog for me, and she started finding out what was happening in the shelter system, and we tried to figure out 
what we could do to make a difference. And we didn't want to go down the kind of government law legislative route. So we chose to use, you know, our talents to actually bring awareness, raise money. So these shelters could go no kill and we could help the people that are trying to go no kill now. And so what we started to do was, and what I told Marina we would do, I said, or what I proposed to do was to paint 5,500 dogs, which is the dogs that are killed every day in this country. You're telling me that 5,500 dogs are killed every day because they don't have homes? Well, there's a lot of reasons that, that they're killed. And uh, Yeah, our focus is uh, not necessarily on the home issue. I mean, because that's all, you know, you're, you're always going to have that as, as part of the issue. Our focus is primarily to focus on shelter reform. Because for whatever reasons, people end up bringing their animals to shelters. And, and of course, you have to educate people about, you know, pet retention and, you know, counsel people and help people with what better ways to, to keep their pet. However, once the animal actually gets to the shelter, it's the shelter system itself that needs to be reformed because we're operating with a kill model as opposed to a no-kill model which is now successful in over 90 shelters across this country. So we need to basically throw out the old paradigm and in with the new. And since shelters are bureaucratic operations, I would assume that uh, there's some resistance to change? I think there's always that until people are informed. I think it's more out of ignorance, and I'm sure there's politics and, and other reasons why people resist. However, what we have found is that of the shelters that obviously the 90 that were killing before were open and willing to learn from the no-kill equation, which was created by Nathan Winograd, and were willing to look at other ways which would keep them alive. And so those people have done that, and it's successful, it's working, and the train has left the station. And so what we're about is using using art to actually visually show what is going on in this country, because we've got, you know, uh, approximately 5 million animals being killed every year. So the idea for the museum is actually to educate people, especially the, the public, because we were uh, two ignorant people before we came across what was actually going on in this country. And so we wanted to use art for social change. And with that, it's to raise money and awareness to usher America to become a no-kill nation. And the exhibition, I mean, because of the enormity of it, one of our strategies was to get it national attention, which it already has. And the enormity of the exhibition would then draw attention and give the no-kill a platform to actually speak from. So it became more of a talking sort of point in the general public than it is right now. So mm -hmm. it's really to get the problem out there in a very real way to incite change. What you're going to do with the museum then is really graphically and demonstrate just what 5,500 dogs look like because I have a hard time imagining that number and it's got to be awesome just to be how many paintings do you have done now 3,000 yeah a little over 3,000 and, and you know that's exactly what we were trying to do Keith was was to put names and faces with that number because I think people really tend to forget when you just give them a number it just kind of goes over their head because there's nothing real or tangible to attach it to. And that's why we think that the exhibition and the memorial and the museum is extremely important. So uh, we're starting to attach these dogs and these souls and these lives to that number. Now, are these actual dogs you're working from, pictures from actual dogs that were put down? 
Yes, they've all 5,500 have been put down. Obviously, in the pictures that we get, they're still alive. And so it's a very beautiful and haunting exhibit, you know, because the paintings themselves are, are obviously adorable faces of these wonderful dogs. But yes, we download the pictures and then Mark interprets from that picture the little soul that he, you know, sits in front of when he's, you know, starting to paint them. That's just amazing because I, on my Facebook page, I get so many cross posters and so many pictures of animals that have a day left and, and uh, my heart just goes out. I mean, it's really sad because they, so many of them have such happy looking faces and you know what's going to happen to them. And that's amazing. Now, let's go back. You mentioned the no-kill solution. For our audience who members who may not know what that is, can one of you describe that a little bit? Yeah, what it is, it's uh, the no-kill solution incorporates something called the no-kill equation. And what that is, it's an 11-step process. If you want me to tell you what the 11 steps are, I can do that or not. But that's what it is. It's called the no-kill equation. And it's all the steps that a shelter needs to adopt in order to move to becoming a shelter that is no kill. Could you uh, give us a site? Is there some place where somebody, who, if they were interested, if they could uh, see that those 11 steps? They can see them on our website, under the solution page on our website, anactivedog.org. They can see, and there's a link right there that takes them through to Nathan Winograd's nokilladvocacycenter.org. So they can go either way and see. And it's it's a very, you know, it's, I mean, I'll run through it. You've got trap, neuter, return. You've got low-cost spay and neuter. You've got rescue groups, fosters, off-site pet adoptions, pet retention counseling. You've got medical and behavioral prevention and rehabilitation, PR and marketing campaigns and community involvement, volunteers, proactive redemptions. It's basically return the animal to the owner using scanners in the trucks, you know, rather than actually having to bring it back into the shelter itself, you're keeping it from the shelter. And then the 11th step, which is a, the critical step, is a compassionate shelter director that is committed to implementing these steps and becoming a no-kill. Wow, you really have it outlined, uh, or Nathan does. And that's, I, I think, probably a key to the success is to be able to show 90 shelters have already done this. And uh, are many shelters working on this? Oh, yes, absolutely. And there's, a, there's something called the No Kill Conference. And basically, shelter directors, politicians, volunteers, rescue groups, they all go there every year to get educated and to learn how to make that transition. So this really is a national effort then. Yes, it is. It really is. Now, doing research, I saw a picture that Mark was painting. It was really large of a, a dog named Oreo. And uh, what's the story behind Oreo? Okay, Oreo was a dog that lived in Brooklyn, New York, and was owned by was somebody called Fab I think it's Fabian Henderson. Yeah. And that owner threw its own dog, Oreo, off the sixth floor. I think it was on the roof, the roof yeah. of the building, which was six stories high. And I think it broke a couple of ribs. It broke two legs, Both two front legs. legs. And that dog was then taken in by the ASPCA. The ASPCA took the dog in, obviously gave it the medical attention and did a great job healing it back to full health. Then the director at that time, Ed Sayers, 
decided despite all of the rescue groups, including I think the main one was Pets Alive New York, because it was such a, it was in the news, the whole story. So you can imagine. So all the rescue groups had stepped up and committed to taking Oreo to keep him in a, whether he needed a sanctuary or to rehabilitate him. But instead, Ed Sayers, the director, decided to kill him instead. So he basically represents the need for new laws to be enforced so that rescue groups, there's actually a rescue bill that, that has been tried to get passed many times. And after they killed Oreo, Nathan actually uh, introduced one called Oreo's Law, which would have allowed and ensured rescue groups were able to adopt the dog rather than the, the shelter taking that right to kill it. And so ASPCA fought that law to make sure it did not get passed and even another one after that. So, so there's a lot of politics behind it. So Oreo is one of 10, you know, Mark is painting 10 eight by eight foot large paintings and they will each represent the excuses that we are currently experiencing in shelters which result in the animals being killed. Was Oreo's uh, owner charged and convicted? He was charged, yeah. I'm not sure uh, what the outcome was. You know, when I did the painting, I wanted to make sure that I could tell the story and just putting the picture of Oreo up, which is, you know, which is a picture that a lot of people know. Um, I, I started introducing text into the picture, too, which really tells the story and what happened. It, you know, it doesn't read like a magazine or a newspaper article, but there's bits and pieces of his story, which actually tells what happened to him in there. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I guess we'd have to say it was alleged then if we don't know if he, the owner was convicted, but that's a pretty horrific uh, story. I think typical so many times of what we see. And, um, you know, I do have another question, and you guys are really passionate. I, I've admired, ever since I started reading about what you two are doing, I've admired your work and your passion. But some people may criticize animal advocates by uh, asking, how with so much human misery in the world can you spend time, money, and resources on advocating for animals? How would uh, you, Mark, respond to that? And then uh, Marina, how would you respond to that question? Well, you know, I think there's people working on that problem, and I think our passion is for animals, and I think that, you know, uh, your higher power has a purpose for all of us, and, and ours is to work on this, and uh, and we certainly support anybody that's, that's trying to do good, whether it's for the animals or whether it's for uh, children or other sorts of things that they want to try to make a difference with, but... Our deals with the animals, that's what's really made a huge difference in my life. And we certainly support anybody else trying to do anything for any other group or any other issue. So, you know, that's really what, you know, how I feel about it is that, you know, this is my passion. And, and if I was passionate about these other issues, I would be doing that, but I'm not. Well, Marina, how do you respond to that question? Uh, my response would, would be, I concur with what Mark has said, and I think that is wonderful. Whatever, whatever lights you up and whatever you connect to is the direction you need to go in. And certainly Mark and I were not even, you know, we were just trying to adopt a dog when we came across this problem. So it wasn't something we even were involved in in any way, shape, or form. However, what we discovered and what the big difference is here between us and those other issues that you're talking about is the animals don't have a voice. They can't speak up for themselves. They are 100% dependent upon human beings to do the right thing, which is the compassionate thing. And that's not happening. 
And that is not the situation for all those other charities, all those other issues. They still have a voice. They still have people working on them. But the animals, it's like a, it's like a daily holocaust. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's interesting that your story started out seemingly simple thing, uh, looking for a dog. Right. And now you're involved. Your whole lives are involved in, in the movement. And I can understand that because that's what happened with me. I adopted a dog and he recycled me and, and put me on a new course. And uh, this program really, I look at what Max did for me and I never would have found them if it hadn't been for animal advocates and what they did years ago to establish the uh, shelter he came from. And this is our way of saying, hey, thank you animal advocates for the work you're doing and we're going to try to recognize that. And one thing I'd like to ask you guys is, is the No Kill Conference is in June, is it not? I believe so. Yeah, I don't remember what, what month it is this year. It's coming up there in the summertime. Are you two both going to be attending or? I wish we were. But no, we're, I mean, we are seven days a week working on this project. Mark's paints from six in the morning, seven days a week. We don't have a day off. We take a break to go to the dog park and that's it. So we're on a, you know, a timeline here to get them painted. So perhaps next year we might be able to do something like that. We certainly would love to, to go. Well, you know, as usual, we have so much more to hear and we've run out of time. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today, Mark and Marina. And uh, before you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about Active a Dog and, again, about any upcoming events or any, any last words you want to say? Uh, just thank you guys so much. You know, thank you for having us on the show and being a voice for the animals because everybody that shares what we're doing, it becomes a, a larger voice to help save lives. So we really appreciate you first uh, for that. And uh, people can get involved in many different ways. So they can go to our website, which is anactofdog.org. And they can sponsor a dog for as little as $25. It's actually going towards helping us create and build the museum. Or they can become a regular benefactor. And that actually goes into the $20 million fund, which, of course, 100% of that money goes out towards the rescue group shelters and towards the no-kill endeavors. Well, thank you. And I think, again, for our listeners who may be passionate about trying to help animals, you guys are great examples how you've taken your skills, Mark, a painter, Marina, uh, an organizer, an energetic uh, enterprise person, and you've put them together and started an, a really awesome undertaking. And again, thank you for being with us. We're going to take a break, and when we return, Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, will be here to discuss his new book and more. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did.
Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley, the giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling out in the world trips or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Our next guest is one of the most recognized and sought-after dog trainers and behaviorists and has recently released a new book, Short Guide to a Happy Dog, and started a brand new television show. He's here today to take the lead in helping you keep your furry friends happy as the weather warms up. Caesar Milan joins us now. Hi, Caesar. Hey, guys. What's up? Before we get started, I just want to say uh, Max A. Pooch, and I are really happy to talk to you. Max A. Pooch is a dog that, if I hadn't read your books, quite frankly, would have been a, a really problem dog. And uh, instead, he's uh, got a radio show named after him, one of the best-known dogs on the Internet. And uh, we really owe it to you. So uh, we're really glad to talk to the leader of the pack today. So what do you got out of the book? What a click for you? I'm always curious about what clicked for people. Well, I've had dogs all my life. And what really clicked for me was, again, the in today's society, as you talk about in your latest book, Short Guide to a Happy Dog, you know, it was like the reinforcement that dominance, being a leader, things like that were important as far as a dog is concerned because there's so much conflicting information out there now. And Max was a six-month-old lab who lived in a basement the six months, the first six months of his life and never had any training. And he was a real project dog. And uh, when we got him, we had known we were going to get him. And I had really started reading a lot of books. And quite frankly, yours was the, uh, the one that really helped me, the recognizing, you know, what to do and, uh, you know, consistency, the things you talk about, filling that vacuum. Yeah. He's a dog first, breed second, and on down the line. So, so I, I do want to thank you. Well, you know, what, you know the word that I love the most, the, the one you said right now, is a project. A lot of people don't see it as a Projects are great, you know. As a parent, I like to have a lot of projects with my kids. And when a person enters into a project state of mind, it becomes more logical, more methodical, more strategically driven, you know, versus when people enter into a relationship with a dog. Most of the time, it's not a project. Most of the time, it's just a reaction, an emotional reaction, because they feel sorry for the dog or because, you know, the dog is cute. And that actually is very contradicting to the well-being of a dog because the dog is not going to get the whole strategic aspect of ourselves. So taking it as a project, I, I really, I can totally see it. You know, my life is a project. And being a father is always about making sure my son has a project in mind so his mind is occupied. Well, thank you very much. Exactly. And that's one of the things we did is uh, we taught Max A. Pooch. I looked at him and said, well, labs, when they get older, may have arthritis. What's a lifetime sport for a lab? He's a retriever. And so we worked together and our project was to pick up plastic bottles in the park that are litter and put them in a trash can. And that's how Max A. Pooch, the crusader for animals and environment, got started. Oh, that's awesome. So you gave him a job. Exactly. Like you said, every dog needs a job. 
So he's a retriever. There's no pheasants in, or, or ducks in the suburbs to retrieve, but there sure is a lot of, you know, I use plastic bottles because they're inert and he won't injure himself. Wow. You know, there's a lot of unemployed dogs in America, and you're a great example of uh, they don't have to live that way. It's you just have to be creative about, you know, what can you utilize in the environment? You know, how can you give your dog a purpose? And that's just amazing, you know. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, spring and summertime, and, you know, a lot of people are going to start walking the dogs more often. And really, that's something that I'm always hoping, you know, uh, to me, it's all about the walk. But at the same time, you know, we are going to expose our dogs to the outside world. So I want to remind people, you know, at the same time, it's also a flea and tick time of the year. And so let's be proactive about it. I like to join forces with Frontline. It works for my pack. I keep Frontline on my dogs all year round, you know, and that's the way I can keep my dogs at the ranch without any fleas or ticks. You know, I think a lot of people just think that you need to use a product like Frontline in the uh, in the summer, but you say you use it all year round? You know, the most intense month throughout the year is actually October and September. And, uh, you know, one way, to me, it's all about prevention. You know, how do I stop my dog from jumping? Exercise. How do I stop my dog from being, you know, disrespectful or a little too dominant around other dogs? Rules, boundaries, limitations. So that's me being proactive. And one way to be proactive is to make sure my dogs have Frontline every month. So they don't attract you know, flea on ticks, but it's the whole year round. Well, that's great advice. And uh, talking about great advice, can you uh, tell us about your new show, Leader of the Pack, and your new book, Short Guide to a Happy Dog? Actually, you gave great advice. I have to give it to you. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, uh, Leader of the Pack is a show that is going to help me save lives. Yeah, uh, you saved the, the life of a dog in a basement for six months. I saved lives of dogs. There, you know, a lot of times, they're in you know, such a horrible situations. And a lot of times people think those dogs are broken. You know, those dogs are not good anymore. You know, so they, they have so many problems. Uh, they don't even want to give them a chance. So to me, the leader of the pack is a show that is going to show us, you know, really compatibility is very important. You know, I bring three people to rescue a dog. And the reason for that is because I want you to see as an audience that the reason why this dog went with this family, because he was compatible to him. So I want to teach you about, you know, what's the best thing we can do for our dogs. Well, that's great because uh, I really believe that, you know, what you say in Leader of the Pack and in, in your book is a way to reduce the number of animals in a shelter because so many animals are returned. 20% of dogs that are adopted are many times returned to their shelters. So people just realize and l listen to you and read your books. I think uh, a lot can be done to reduce the uh, animal population in the shelters. And also as a nation, we have to adopt the idea of a spay and neuter, right? Because there's four to five million dogs that enter into a shelter due to all the overpopulation. So that's another thing that we have to really enter. You know, all of us, Latinos, African-Americans, okay, everybody has to enter. It's not a race-related situation. It's more like a state of mind. What can we do to help to save a life? And we have to absolutely adopt this nationally. And hopefully the rest of the world will join in. Around the world, it's 600 million dogs that will die each year. So something that we can all become, you know, united as a world. But if people have more, you know, more questions about the book, the show, and, and just questions, they can always go to CesarsWay.com. They have questions about Frontline. They can always go to Frontline.com. Uh, speaking of questions, as a dog owner, what are some things they should be asking uh, my veterinarian? Well, you know, to me, it's more about encouraging people not only go to the vet when the dog has a problem, you know, when the dog is in pain or when the dog is depressed, because often what happens is the dog associates the vet with a negative experience. I rather encourage people to go every three months or if a dog has an issue with a vet, 
uh, to go a little bit more often just for a visit, just for, you know, maybe they, uh, just a cookie. You know, some vets do like to go beyond the traditional 15 minutes and spend more time with you. And so that way the dog gets a positive reinforcement and a positive experience at the vet. After that, and then you can ask the vet to say, you know, where should I check uh, my dog after a good long walk? The paws, very important. The teeth, very important. The ears, you know, foxtail often jump into the, our dog's ears. So those are things that we, we should be more proactive, you know, just a, a little bit in the veterinarian level. You know, if we can enter all at a level one, level two of being a vet. And as a behaviorist, I would like to everybody to enter into a level 10 so they know what to do in every situation. Well, that's great advice because I think so often many of us just think of our dogs as almost robots or toys and we forget that these are living beings and need the attention and the care and the love that uh, they deserve or we shouldn't really even have them. Well, educating human is definitely what I'm aiming for. That's my goal in life, you know. So once we become knowledgeable about things, it's like almost like our mom, you know. Our mom was our doctor, our teacher, our emotional support. So she was a little bit of everything. And, and so as a dog owner, I want to be a little bit of everything. But thank you for the opportunity. They're telling me that I have to wrap up. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being with us. Max A. Pooch and I thank Cesar Milan, Mark Barone, and Marina Devrin for being with us today. And Max A. Pooch gives a tail-wagging happy wolf to our sponsors, as well as Mark Winter, Pet Life Radio Executive Producer, for making this show possible. This is Keith Sanderson saying, remember everything that awesome animal advocates do, and so long until we meet again. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.